everyone. Welcome to Creepy Inquiries. A podcast dedicated to all things creepy, spoopy, and true crimey. With your hosts, Miss Kevin and Edie, your friendly neighborhood queers. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Episode 76, coming at you loud and clear. Hello, episode 76. Wasting away again in Margaritaville, Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy Buffett is inches away from being a billionaire, I think. Really? I yeah, Jimmy Buffett is crazy rich. Wow. Restaurants and every like and then buy at home margarita machines. And then and and just got it all. Margarita. And he has Jurassic World money too. Did they build a Margaritaville in Jurassic World? I think so. And (laughs) and pterosaurs were coming and swooping down everywhere. There was a guy that Mm -hmm. had those double fisting margaritas trying to duck in in cover. And that was him. That was him. (laughs) Good for him. Excellent. (laughs) I'm getting too old for this shit. Danny Glover, 76. Oh, he's old. And he said that 30 years ago, 30 some years ago. Plus. I'm not 40. So he was like in his late 30s saying that shit, which like I get it. Yeah, he was a family man. He had a mustache. He was, like, close to, like, police retirement, which is not the same as, like, regular job retirement. Real job. Damn it, Janet, I love you. Susan Sarandon, our present, past, and future queen, 76 years old. 76. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she's still dating the much younger professional ping pong player. I remember that. But if she is, good for her. She had the ping pong place with the ping pong man. Listen, good for her. Good for her. All right, look, now we have to get to some bad ones. Yeah, we always do. Do we? <laughs> George W. Bush is 76. God, I thought he would be older. I know. I know. And so is Bill Clinton. They're the same age? Yeah. And then, um, let me see, we've got some really good ones. We've got Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Cool. 76. Elton, 76. Cool. 76. Hold me closer, tiny dancer. I, I love his piano rumba that he's using at his concerts these days. The piano rumba is so good. Because <laughs> Elton it, wants to move, but he doesn't want to move because yes. he's 70 fucking six. Because he's 76 and he's still doing this horse shit for you. He's still so doing will- it for you. You paid to see Elton. And, and so Elton, you shall see. <laughs> and finally for today, though we have some some good ones on the list, Iggy Pop, also 76. But finally, Ooh, cool. for our purposes, um, queen of the Creepy Inquiries extended universe, <laughs> the whole time, the whole time, the whole time, Sally, Sally Field is 76. Queen. <laughs> oh, boy. We are coming to you from this holiday weekend. And Kevin's anniversary weekend? Well, that is true. That is Tell true. Tell people what you did, Kev. For Big Library and I's one-year anniversary, plus a number of other celebrations that were rolled into one for this weekend, us and his uh, extended family met up in the Hudson Valley of New York at this Cute. monstrous mountain resort from like the 1800s. It is called Mohonk Mountain House. Now, you showed us photos of this place. It looks incredible, and it also looks deeply haunted. It does look deeply haunted, and I got to say, I didn't get any spoopy vibes. (gasps) God damn it. That's homophobic. I know. It is homophobic. There were guaranteed ghosties in there, and those ghosties were homosexual. I knew it. I could feel it. Uh, it was sad, but it was a great place. We took yeah. uh, some of our nibblings horseback riding. There's a lake. Cute. You can fish. You can row. Cute. You can hike. So zip lining? There, I think there was zip lining. 
nice. specifically for our anniversary, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've. I feel like I've already failed, and I'll tell you why. What? We are now married by this point, a year and four days. By the time this episode uh-huh. comes out, right? Every okay. year on an anniversary, I wanted to get divorced and then get remarried the next day. And we've already missed it's that. So complicated to do that, Kev. It's so complicated <laughs> so to do that. Legally. That's what love is. <laughs> love is bureaucratic paperwork. Yes, and it like is. it costs. <laughs> you could renew. Why don't you renew your vows every we, year? Because it's the drama. Want to go big or go home? And we went home. So that is so complicated. Coming from as a child whose parents married and divorced twice, I'm just like not going to recommend it. <laughs> I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm fine. Different. It's still a work in progress. <laughs> Miss, how was your fucking weekend? <laughs> Thanks for shitting I all over my have... happiness. <laughs> I have an air conditioner. That's oh, right, baby. Actually, I've had it for a month and a half, but I have an air conditioner plugged in and mounted in my wall. Of course, it's not in the room that I am in, which is fine. Well, Maybe. you know what? There are no mistakes. There are only happy accidents. Even if it was in here, I couldn't have it on right now because it's too loud. Yeah, true. So yeah. I'd be sitting in my own swamp anyway. I'm a little hot right now without a fan on myself too. So I feel, yeah. I feel, yeah. We're surviving, uh, nay, thriving. Thriving. There she is. But yeah, things are good. My long weekend has really just involved me sitting as still as possible and not sweating and cross-stitching a lot because I need to make progress on a project I'm working on for my niece's birthday. Yeah, that's it's a right. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Good for you. Yeah. Uncle Edie. Ah, things are fine. I'm fine. I am going to use my time to talk about a really dumb AI lawyering story that popped up earlier this week. Oh, good. (laughs) So some guy representing Uh a man in a personal injury lawsuit in Manhattan. I'm reading from a Forbes article about this. Okay. Uh, has to... uh, throw himself at the mercy of the court for a show cause hearing for why he shouldn't be sanctioned coming up in person on June 8th. I am deeply excited about it. Okay, so this guy, Stephen A. Schwartz, wasn't actually the attorney of record on this personal injury case. The attorney of record was some guy named LaDuca. But LaDuca, even though he was a state lawyer in New York, never got himself barred federally for the Southern District of New York. I don't know. So behind the scenes, this guy, Stephen Schwartz, was doing all the work and DeLuca was just Uh, filing it. A, that's not awesome. B, Stephen Schwartz tried for the very first time in his life to use ChatGPT to do legal research slash write <gasps> filings for him. <laughs> what you have to understand about ChatGPT people is that it is a language model. That. It is not a search engine. It will yes. and does make things up. And yes. it made up six cases. It made up a bunch what? of fake citations. <gasps> so he sent this. The The court's law clerk, like one of yeah. the first things that they're going to do job. is check the citations. <laughs> and they're like, these mm-hmm. are not real yeah and they're like hey luduka because at this point they don't know who schwartz is what's the deal send us what these cases are he asks chat gpt for those cases and it made them up and it made them (gasps) up yep luduka through schwartz sends i know i know i know Y'all, this is literally my job. Schwartz has to send an affidavit to the court eventually, like, because the court's like, these are fake cases. You have to write to me about why you should not be sanctioned. And this is finally when Schwartz comes out of the woodwork with this affidavit that's like, okay, so um, I did did use ChatGPT, but I've also attached copies of my chats with chat gpt where i asked hey is this case real and chat gpt was like yeah it's real and then i asked so wait are the other ones fake and chat gpt is like no baby no they're not fake <laughs> see if you ask chat gpt what are the 15 islands of hawaii it will tell you 15 islands of hawaii it'll it'll Even, do the eight and then it'll just make up i've the never rest. used chat gpt but i've only heard terrible things <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Fake Name enjoys it for things like an aggregator of information. Like he's mm. asked it about dog training tips and it'll no. give dog training tips. But then 
I'm still not sure if any of those dog training tips have been <laughs> made up. Is it just like an intelligent Wikipedia? Not even because Not even. it just one. It is designed to sound like it is having a human conversation. What the content of that conversation is, the veracity of what is inside that conversation yeah. is not important to ChatGPT. It is yes. a language model. So it's simply yes. communication. It is communication. It's not substance. Yes. Yes. So it's he would have been better off with Google. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. he would have. Yeah. I mean, it obviously. made up all of these fucking cases. I think there is a incredible. Good for them. Good for ChatGPT. It's GPT. incredible. <laughs> Um, I oh highly, God. I'm looking forward to this show cause hearing because the orders are, I mean, somebody on Twitter described the judge's, uh, mood in his writing as <laughs> incandescent, like on, so on just fire gleam, with rage that he's glowing. I can't wait to read that. <laughs> I will update you all about it. So who cares how I am? I only care about how Steven Schwartz is. Right, you know, right now they are calling their ad, their advertisers to be like, "All right, you got to take us off of all those buses. You got to take down uh -huh, all of our billboards. Right. We're in some deep shit." Exactly, it's personal injury, and that's who that's who <laughs> yeah. wraps those buses. Okay, well, um, who wants to entertain me first? Because I am well, the I, audience this week. I do have a true crime story for you. Oh, I mean, yes, please. If, in case you want to hear it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm shy. We're here. So why don't we just start? Just start and see where it goes. Let, yeah. Well, I'll start and see where it goes. <laughs> in May 2017, oh. Chris Green, a police officer in East Liverpool, Ohio, responded to a traffic call. Hate this he one. realized that white powder had spilled inside the car he was investigating he put on gloves to protect himself from what he would later learn was fentanyl. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Later, when he got back to the station, a colleague pointed out some dust on the back of Green's yeah. shirt. Green brushed it off, no gloves, without thinking. Soon after, some say minutes, some say after an hour, Green was unconscious. He would get four doses of naloxone, an emergency drug oh. commonly known by the brand name Narcan, before he woke up. Wow. wow. So we're not Green in the fun story. zone today. Uh-uh. Well. Ooh, okay. Well, okay. I All don't right. know. We're in, you know where we're in? We're in Science Central today. Okay. okay. I we're like We're kind Science of in Central. Science Central. Green's story spread fast. The local press reported the incident as a fentanyl overdose. Lisbon, Ohio's Morning Journal headlined its article on the story, Traffic Stop Almost Turns Deadly for ELO Officer. Well, the drama's fun. <laughs> From there, national media caught the scent. Uh, CBS Morning News reporter Jim Axelrod asked Green if it really could have taken just touching fentanyl for him to overdose. Green confirmed that a touch was all it took. And he and Axelrod agreed that it wouldn't be overstating things to say that Green could have died. Well, wait, oh I, I have a question. You said it took four doses of Narcan? Like four yes. shots? He was given four doses of Narcan. Jesus. Fuck. that's That is what he was given. And we're sure he's not okay. a ghost now, right? He is not a ghost now. Okay. okay. All right. He is alive. All right. In June, Green appeared on the New York Times' super popular podcast, The Daily, to recount the details of his terrifying experience. He told The Daily that when he woke up, he was in the hospital surrounded by crying colleagues, nurses, and firefighters. The oh, whole Justice bullshit. League, all the heroes, they were all there clapping for him. <laughs> the city's police chief, John Lane, said that he believed Green's illness was from opioid exposure. Lane said a screening test confirmed that Green had opioids in his body, but the method of exposure was unclear. Uh -huh. We don't know if he brushed it off. It just said opioids? Unclear. Put a pin in that. Yeah. Just... Lane said, we don't know if he brushed it off with his hand or rubbed his eye. We think what may have happened is that he put on that Purell or Germex stuff and that it got it wet and maybe he absorbed it that way. We're not sure. All we know is he overdosed from it. Wow. Now, 
The substance that Chris Green was apparently exposed to was fentanyl. Ever heard of her? I have. Unfortunately have. I know that she's she's very She's really big here in Baltimore. Yeah, she's big. Yeah, she's She's big big. here. (laughs) Um, But... Well, here's some info on the substance from the National Harm Reduction Coalition. Fentanyl is a strong synthetic opioid that has been used in clinical settings since 1968. It's often used during surgery as an anesthetic and for pain management. Hmm. Fentanyl is often described as 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine or 50 times stronger than heroin. Damn. Fentanyl moving through the street market comes in a powder form. It can be injected, Mm. smoked, or snorted, and it has been found in other drugs like heroin, meth, cocaine, and pressed pills. Uh Many individuals consume fentanyl without knowledge, while others use it intentionally because of its potency. Overdose deaths involving fentanyl have quadrupled in recent years. So it is very dangerous. Indeed. Indeed. Now, I mentioned the phrase harm reduction. What do we know about harm reduction? Have you heard that phrase before? Yes. Yes. Well, you're great students. And for listener, (laughs) if you do not know about uh, harm reduction, here's a little bit about what the National Harm Reduction Coalition has to say about uh, what these principles are all about. They say, harm reduction is a set of practical strategies and ideas aimed at reducing negative consequences associated with drug use. Mm -hmm. It's also a social movement built on a belief in and respect for the rights of people who use drugs. Harm reduction incorporates a spectrum of strategies that includes safer use, managed use, abstinence, meeting people who use drugs where they're at, and addressing conditions of use along with the use itself. And because harm reduction demands that interventions and policies are very individually focused and individual community focused, there's no real universal definition or formula for implementing harm reduction, but the strategies are really interesting and very community focused. I was just going to say, in my experience, it's much more person-based as opposed to just abstinence only, which is generally speaking what we've all understood to be drug, drug treatment. Right. And in my view, harm reduction is totally compatible with strategies like 12-step abstinence programs. And harm reduction activists recognize that abstinence isn't necessarily the most ideal or the most possible benchmark Mm -hmm. of success for every person who uses drugs. And while people are using drugs, they should be empowered to use them as safely as possible. Right. It's a really cool principle, and it's compatible with a whole lot of... uh, cool ways of looking at the world. One thing harm reduction principles are incompatible with is the war on drugs. Very few things are compatible with the war on drugs. No, very few. Now, the war on drugs is worth a series of its own. But here's a super quick overview of the war on drugs from uh, taking some of this information from the Drug Policy Alliance in the broadest possible strokes for the purposes of today's story about cops touching fentanyl. One of the more important things to remember is that the reason some drugs are legal and others are not is not based on any scientific assessment of the relative risks of the drugs, but it has everything to do with who is associated with these drugs. And it's always been that way. Back in the 1870s, the first anti-opium laws were directed at Chinese immigrants. Mm -hmm. First anti-cocaine laws in the early 1900s were directed at black men in the South. First anti-pot laws in the Midwest and the Southwest in the 1910s and 20s were directed at Mexican migrants and Mexican-Americans. Yep. War on drugs itself starts in June 1971 when American monster <laughs> declared yep. a war on drugs. He hugely increased the size and presence of drug control agencies and uh, pushed through a lot of really harmful measures, including mandatory minimum sentencing. Among many other terrible things. By 1980, other American monster took office, expanded anti-drug policies and national sentiment in near incalculable ways. The arrival of other other American monster Bill Clinton to the White House didn't fucking help. Uh, He campaigned. Super predators is right. Yeah, he continued to escalate the drug war, even though he campaigned for treatment instead of incarceration in 1992. The number of people behind bars for nonviolent drug law offenses was 50,000 in 1980 and ballooned to over 400,000 in 1997. 
But don't you just think it's because those people were doing drugs and they got caught? Why am I feeling I mean, bad like, for this person? They drugs are bad and people who do drugs, they're bad. Nancy Reagan told me to just say no. That's right. Sure, she sure did. And guess what? We all did. We all just said all no. Of us said we all no said no. Every, every time our whole lives. Always. I've absolutely said nothing but no. Mm-hmm. I've said no, and I had no problem saying no. <laughs> we have George W. Bush, huge escalation of militarization yeah. of domestic drug law enforcement, huge increase in SWAT raids. Barack Obama, not a good dude either, did though support a few successful policy changes, but the main driver of drug policy after the Obama administration was done remains law enforcement, not public health. The Trump years saw an attempt to return to the Reagan era drug war. He talked about the wall to keep drugs and people out, called for harsher sentences for drug law violations, and famously supported the death penalty for people mm-hmm. who sell drugs, but not like the Sackler family at Purdue no, Pharmaceutical. No, no, not those who sell oxycodone. Not like those people who sell drugs. You know the people he's talking about when he talks about people who sell drugs. Mm-hmm. So now that we've had a social justice lesson and a history lesson, let's get back to cops touching fentanyl. Okay. Even the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, or NIOSH, got in on the craze. They released a 12-minute video in 2019 about how first responders should use personal protective equipment to prevent Uh, exposure to illicit drugs, including fentanyl. And they broke down exposure risks into three categories, minimal, moderate, and high, and suggested PPE, including ranging from wearing nitrile gloves and maybe a face mask Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. in a high exposure scenario where large amounts of suspected drugs are visible. They recommend that responders don't enter at all, but call in a special response team like a hazmat team. Kind of seems reasonable. Does it? Let's find out. We'll see. <laughs> Let's talk about some more of these stories about to- cops touching fentanyl. Okay. In August 2021, the San Diego Sheriff's Department released video that the department itself produced and edited. The thing <laughs> went viral. It opens with Sheriff Bill Gore telling viewers that they're about to see a traumatic body-worn camera footage of a deputy exposed to fentanyl while on patrol. In the video, the deputy is shown to find a white substance that ultimately tests positive for fentanyl. His superior then warns him not to get too close, but apparently the trainee collapses. The supervisor gives him Narcan and says, I'm not going to let you die. And the trainee is revived. The video is heavily produced and includes RuPaul confessional-style interviews with the supervisor about just how dangerous even being around fentanyl can be. I got very nervous for a second because I thought that was going to end with RuPaul, and I was like, girl, no. Fracking, fentanyl, fabulousness. Toxicologists and other medical experts immediately cast doubt on the story. We'll talk about why. Media started asking questions. Under pressure, the sheriff's department admitted that the deputy in the video never got a toxicology screening to confirm if fentanyl was in his system, but they didn't disavow the video even weeks later. But sometime between then and this week when I was researching this story, the Vimeo link to the sheriff's department video stopped working. So ultimately they stopped presenting the video. That we need to investigate and uncover. Clearly, somebody wants that story not to be told by you. This is a case for the FBI. Wow, is it you? It's me. It's me. (laughs) Hi, I'm the problem. And at at this point, (laughs) I will say that even though in the Chris Green story, even though Chief Lane said that there were uh, tests that confirmed that there were opioids in his system but didn't know where from, Chris Green himself can't remember if he was screened for opioids generally or fentanyl specifically. I mean, those are hospital records. He could just go get them. You could if the department wanted to give them to you. No, you let's you hear about let's hear about a situation where people asked for it yeah. in a video that went viral in December 2022. Uh, this one you might have seen. Uh, Florida police officer Courtney Bannock discovered what she believed to be fentanyl during a routine traffic stop. 
In the video, she can be seen lying on the ground after struggling to breathe. Another officer administers Narcan, paramedics arrive, and rush the officer to the hospital where she ultimately recovers. Some local outlets in Florida later tried to question the cop's narrative about the purported officer overdose, including asking for proof of fentanyl in Bannock's body. Yeah. WESH2 News in Orlando asked Tavares Florida police about some of the questions they had, but the station was met with resistance. In a statement, the police department said, we are still investigating the traffic stop Officer Bannock participated in when she was exposed to fentanyl. We anticipate charges to be filed once that investigation is completed. However, no documents or evidence can be shared until the case is closed. This includes Officer Bannock's medical records, which are important to ensuring those involved face appropriate punishments. Mm. Your cop voice is delightful and upsetting. And harrowing, yes. Harrowing. Mm-hmm. Call me harrowing. Judge Dredd. I am the law. <laughs> it's a very bad movie. Uh, no, no, no. 1995's I'm Judge Dredd. You the law man. Terrible movie. You're calling me Lawman? I'm calling you Lawman. Ba-boom, boom. Ba-boom, <laughs> boom. Lawmix. <laughs> I'm going to teach you Aikido. Get ready. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to teach Putin Aikido. He knows judo. Mm. He's a judo expert. He's so good at judo, but I'm going to teach him Aikido. Good. 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 According to Phoenix, Arizona police, officers on February 1st, 2023, pulled over a car near downtown. One of the officers walked up to the car, and when someone inside rolled down a window, police say a white substance escaped and was ingested by the officer unintentionally. Police say the officer passed out. For about 10 seconds and was given Narcan, the officer was taken to a hospital and was awake and talking. The substance was said to be fentanyl. (laughs) These are just a few of the stories that piqued huge media attention since Chris Green's story from East Liverpool, Ohio in 2017. Now, speaking of Chris, what's happened with him? Before we get to that, Miss, I see your hand up. Yes. In all of these, thank you. In all of these stories... With the different police officers, they're all given a single dose of Narcan and they're fine. So it's just very interesting that the first guy had four. Yeah. Well, 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 when let's let's revisit the Narcan talk when we have a little bit more information in the story. I think it might become a little bit clearer what's going on. So anyway, what's happened? with Chris Green since. American hero, Chris Green. The man whose viral story kind of started it all. Well, let's take it to WKBN 27 News in Youngstown, Ohio for more. Oh, God. This has consumed a lot of uh, time and resources. Mayor Greg Bricker is talking about a case involving a former East Liverpool police officer. Chris Green was placed on leave in March of 2021. A police captain looking into the case said Green lied about what happened when responding to a fight. Captains on the force then took their concerns to the mayor. That's what really triggered us to do the investigation. You know, uncover more than two dozen uh, instances of violations. In June of last year, the city fired Green. The police union filed an appeal over his termination. It was denied by an arbitrator earlier this month. We went through uh, the process. We went through the disciplinary hearings. And at the end of the day, we're just holding people accountable for their actions. Yikes. So uh-huh. Chris isn't a cop anymore. Because I mean, it of took him four years. <laughs> four years and just like a couple dozen instances of misconduct, like lying right, and I mean? think being mean okay. to community members. But that's that's Chris. That's what's going on with Chris right now. Uh-huh. And his story might have been the first to go mega viral, but it was far from the first story of accidental fentanyl exposure. A 2020 Journal of Medical Toxicology study traced these stories back to a small number of reports beginning about 10 years ago in 2013. Reports Hmm. increased in 2016, the same year that the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, or DEA, issued a public warning that fentanyl can be absorbed through the skin or through accidental inhalation of airborne powder. 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 Okay. A 2021 study in the Harm Reduction Journal showed that accidental fentanyl exposure stories accounted for over 150 media reports in 2017 alone. 
By then, the hysteria had legs of its own and ran with them. Ran with them all the way to CBS prime time because towards the end of 2017, the show Blue Bloods, starring your aunt's favorite guy, Tom Selleck, got in on the action. The episode featured a plot line in which an officer was rushed to the hospital after touching a tray that had fentanyl on it. Hmm. It's unclear whether toxicologists or other medical professionals were consulted about the episode, but it is clear that over 8 million people watched it on the night that it premiered. But here's the deal. The scientific consensus since at least 2017 is that just touching fentanyl or breathing near it for short periods cannot cause an overdose. And the symptoms that these first responders seem to exhibit in these cases aren't consistent with opioid toxicity. Opioid toxicity symptoms include euphoria, drowsiness, nausea, confusion, sedation, unconsciousness. These folks are complaining of things like dizziness, shortness of breath, uh, heart palpitations, and passing out. (laughs) Now, this might explain the Narcan thing. Yeah. If somebody is passed out for a reason unrelated to, to opioid, opioid toxicity, right? Yeah. Narcan's not going to do anything. Right. So maybe you just Mr. keep spraying Green. Narcan because right. it Hoping is safe. It, it is. It shows that Narcan's pretty safe. And you can use it multiple times. It's not unheard of. And you of can use it multiple times. More than one dose, but I don't, I've never heard four. And uh, the amount of Narcan that you would have to use. For four four doses of Narcan, right. I think I read in one of the articles that I consulted um, would would correlate to an extremely extremely potent dose of the yeah. most potent kind of fentanyl of analog, fentanyl. just mm-hmm. like pure fentanyl. Yeah, highly unlikely to have yeah. happened in this scenario. So Ryan Marino, a medical director for toxicology and addiction at university hospitals in Cleveland and a pretty solid Twitter follow, told NBC News, we have a lot of scientific evidence and a good knowledge of chemical laws and the way that these drugs work that says this is impossible. You can't just touch fentanyl and overdose. It doesn't just get into the air and make people overdose. But don't just take Ryan's word for it. We're taking a journey to Science Central. In 2017, the American College of Medical Toxicology and the American Academy of Clinical Toxicology released a joint position statement about occupational exposure to fentanyl and similar substances for emergency responders. And their position is that while fentanyl and fentanyl-type substances are potent opioid receptor agonists, the Mm -hmm. risk of clinically significant exposure to emergency responders is extremely low. To Mm. date, we have not seen reports of emergency responders developing signs or symptoms consistent with opioid toxicity from incidental contact with opioids. Incidental dermal absorption is unlikely to cause opioid toxicity. So they're saying, like, yes, it can be absorbed through the skin, but it's not in amounts. It takes a lot. Like, things like fentanyl patches exist for, Mm -hmm. for medical use for pain yeah pain management but they have to it took a while to develop them they Mm -hmm. have to um be uh they can't be dry it has to be wet because the Mm -hmm. deal is it has to get through um your bloodstream through mucous membranes okay and it's very difficult to do that through the skin especially while dry so i think one of the things that ryan marino said to one of these outlets sometime is like Yo, if it could work by just rubbing it on your skin, people wouldn't be snorting it or injecting it. I was going to say, why, w- why would I be smoking this if I could why just would you be, rub it if in you could with just my rub lotion? It. <laughs> if you could just rub it, you would just rub it. Okay. Regarding airborne that fentanyl, attracts. researchers have said that it would take a lot of it and a long time in its presence to cause an overdose. Mm. Um, because inhaling or ingesting puts it in contact with those mucous membranes right. in your nose and mouth, which in turn is a way into the bloodstream. But... You're not going to get that kind of exposure in a traffic stop or open air environments or dealing with an overdose victim. It would yeah, take that prolonged one story, exposure. That one story where the guy just put his window down and it just like a puff and then of just air. A, a I mean, if puff it was a fentanyl, so then it was enough to give that officer an overdose, but not the person who was like baking in the car with the the explanation cloud? in cases like that are well, the other person tolerance? uses drugs and so their tolerance is higher. 
That's mm. the so that's the purported explanation. Doesn't the uh, 2017 American College of Medical Toxicology report makes a reference to safety standards for people who are industrial workers who manufacture mm-hmm. fentanyl. Mm, and at the okay. highest airborne concentration encountered by workers, an unprotected individual, somebody without a mask or a respirator or right. whatever, mm-hmm. would require nearly 200 minutes of exposure to reach a dose of 100 micrograms of fentanyl. And 100 micrograms is enough to have a therapeutic effect, but not an, even enough not to an cause overdose. an overdose. So you'd have so to that's be like a, okay. in a fentanyl warehouse for hours, hours. unprotected to... Uh, to have like really dangerous toxic to effects. get even above therapeutic levels. Yeah. In 2021, uh, researchers at Research Triangle International, which is a research group in North Carolina, in conjunction with UC San Diego, uh, published a study after they conducted interviews with 23 law enforcement officers in five different agencies across the country and learned that many officers nationwide falsely believe that skin exposure to fentanyl is deadly. The researchers reported that officers were most likely to receive misinformation about fentanyl risks through word of mouth, Mm -hmm. station bulletins, social media, and government educational materials. So things like the CDC video from 2019 about like gas yourself up with all this PPE, the intro and outro music to that video is like really scary. It's just... It's it's weird. It's wild. And speaking of government materials, remember that 2016 warning from the DEA? Yes. Yeah. That fentanyl can be absorbed through skin or through accidental. I mean, honestly, I before today, I thought that it could be. It just of course it it had to be like a crazy amount. But that's why I unfolded the story in the way that I did because it is something that sounds like it could be true. It doesn't sound out of the range of possibility by any means. No, it doesn't. The DEA later took down an accompanying video warning about that skin absorption and inhalation risk, and they now say that they just follow CDC guidelines for presenting occupational preventing occupational exposure to drugs, and more recent guidance from the DEA says, Incidental skin contact may occur during daily activities, but is not expected to lead to harmful effects if the contaminated skin is promptly washed off with water. water. So, like, Fair no enough. harm, no foul, right? Like, yeah, just rinse it You off. can put the toothpaste back in the tube once mm-hmm. it's out of the tube. It's very easy to put it back in, right? And that's mm-hmm. what the DEA did. They just put the toothpaste, simply placed it back inside the tube. That makes sense to me because how does toothpaste get in the bottle to begin with? Boom. Boom. How do you know? Kevin. Dog conspiracy. I'm going to have to retire my, one of my favorite idioms, which is can't get that toothpaste back in the tube because Mm. how does it get in the tube in the first place, Kevin? Thank you. How does it get there in the first place? These officers who were talked to in this study were able to point to, I heard about so-and-so who got uh, overdosed, yada, yada, yada. I heard about this chick in Florida. I heard about this guy in Ohio and this officer in Phoenix. And it really reminds me of last week's episode, the Procter & Gamble story. These Mm -hmm. officers Mm -hmm. saw Mm -hmm. that Donahue episode. That's right. And their cousin saw it, or they were even on that show. They were on. They were in the audience. They were in the audience. On the Donahue episode. It was in 1989 or 91 or 94. Exactly. You can get fentanyl off of your skin by using a little bit of ivory soap. (laughs) Oh my God, Kevin. Kevin. And if you drop it, don't worry. It'll float to the top. It'll float Uh to the top. Now, the only way to confirm a case of poisoning is to do a urine or blood test. But as we've talked about, that evidence is lacking in many of these cases that we report around the country. In most of these cases, remember in the cases that I mentioned, media reports that officers are being hospitalized as a way to sort of confirm without confirming that an overdose actually occurred. But hospitalization might just be a precautionary measure and often is. Sure. Yeah. In these anecdotal cases, there's rarely, if ever, any biochemical confirmation of opioid exposure at all, let alone at the levels needed for toxicity. Take uh, Chris Green's police chief. Yeah. Let's take him at his word and say that a screen confirmed opioids in his body. But what kind? How much? Right. That doesn't mean fentanyl. And do those levels rule out exposure in a different way by, for example, 
voluntarily ingesting it himself in mm-hmm. some other way on some right. other day. That was my theory when I was about talking about the, the four, the four Narcan. My first thought was maybe he was an addict already. It's yeah. impossible. Was, I'm not, I'm not calling no, Chris no, no, Green I'm not. an opioid it's, user or anything, but these are things that are not ruled out. Right. There's no clear explanation of fentanyl exposure in the way that they purport. Sure. Now, some experts believe that these incidents can be explained by what's called the nocebo effect. And this is a phenomenon that's the kind of opposite of a placebo effect, where just the suggestion that a substance is harmful can cause somebody to suffer negative effects. So like in medical research, being told about side effects of a pill or procedure Mm -hmm. can Can bring on mm -hmm. real life symptoms of those side effects. So what these officers may really be experiencing, according to experts, is fear, panic. Well, that... That's legit. Like, yeah, that makes let's, sense. Let's look back at the symptoms yeah, that are okay. reported. Dizziness, fast heartbeat, sweating, fainting. Shortness These of are breath. much more consistent with panic attacks or anxiety yeah. attacks than opioid toxicity. True. My brain's a big fan of both. That's exactly what it sounds like. Physician Jeremy Faust wrote for Slate in 2017 about Chris Green's story. He says, the hysteria is understandable. The anecdote, Chris Green's anecdote, was perfectly poised for virality. You take a known societal menace, such as the opioid epidemic, that's ravaging a segment of our nation's otherwise healthy population, and you combine it with a frightening horror story of a cop trying to get help getting poisoned. And the report also contained medical details from the paramedic that made it seem vetted and real. And the first responders clearly thought he overdosed too because they gave him the naloxone. Mm -hmm. But if if anyone in the media had discussed the accounts with a toxicology expert, the picture would have quickly become more muddled, but they just didn't. The first story that I read about that got real pushback uh, was that San Diego super produced story from uh, 2021. But toxicologists have been talking about this not being possible since 2017. Oh, And had media outlets consulted those toxicologists it's they way might less have... sexy it's way more sexy to have a cop passed yeah, down from exactly. an overdose there, because yeah. of a traffic stop exactly i mean that turns me on i mean i couldn't i wow would not be more turned on <laughs> never it's crash the good crash not the bad crash it's a cronenberg movie about getting turned on by car crashes no, what? I don't. I haven't heard of that, what? but that sounds very Look, get on my level, people. Cronenberg <laughs> Hive, rise up. <laughs> Providing the benefit of the doubt to the officers in these videos, the more supportive thing that I can say is that these people experienced panic attacks and in their yeah. confusion and fear convinced themselves that they were overdosing and their colleagues, similarly primed, uh, yeah. acted on their own fear and administered Narcan. At best, we're looking at the effects on officers of widespread panic fueled by yeah. government and media at the local and national levels. At worst, we're seeing officers and police departments lying about the dangers that they face on the job to garner increased sympathy, resources, or both. And I don't yeah. know what's true. I'd be confident in saying it's a combination of both. I I don't I don't doubt that you know, your brain thinks that you've been exposed to something you haven't been, and then you have the psychosomatic experience resulting from right. that. I don't doubt that for a second, but just yeah, with that Chris track. Green, I mean, I'm sure he's not the only one who made it up. So I, I'd say it's... And he, both. to this day, still will still say, I think he was interviewed in 2021 or early 2022 mm-hmm. by BuzzFeed, still stands by what happened to him. You know, for whatever that's worth. Yeah. I mean, you you decide whether you believe Chris Green or not. Sure. Now, there are other ways that this kind of phenomenon of cops touching fentanyl is insidious. Mm -hmm. Okay. If an officer is worried about fentanyl exposure, they might hesitate to provide care to overdose victims on, on scene. Yeah. And agencies are spending huge amounts of funding on extreme PPE, on hazmat equipment, on like uh, professional detailing oh. and cleaning services and all this stuff that you don't really need in these situations and these resources, you know, could be better used elsewhere. 
Yeah. Okay. Cops and other first responders are going to be less likely to meaningfully respond to things like overdose calls if they fear for their own lives. Yeah. Wow. Especially if the fucking CDC is saying that if they see a bunch of drugs around, which is not fucking uncommon when somebody is overdosing, they shouldn't go in at all and should wait for a hazmat team instead. Jesus. The toxicologist recommends, you know, some use of PPE. Sure. But the, the extremity... Yeah, that uh, that and agencies are going for, and the them. funding that comes with it. So it makes sense that some of these would be manufactured experiences because I want that money, exactly for my department. Exactly. Earlier, I said that harm reduction principles are incompatible with the war on drugs, and that's one reason why. Mm-hmm. Here's another reason why: people who use fentanyl can face charges of assault or endangerment of officers for supposedly causing these fake officer overdoses. I have learned of two. Remember Chris Green? Yeah. The guy he pulled over was Justin Buckle, around 25 at the time. Justin eventually pled guilty to charges including trafficking and possession. He was also charged with assault on a peace officer for supposedly exposing Chris Green to fentanyl, Mm. which made up a year and a half of his six and a half total prison sentence when justin was sentenced in 2018 the ohio attorney general's office put out a press release that led with the charge of assault on a peace officer mike dewine who was then attorney general and is now Mm -hmm. governor of ohio was quoted as Mm -hmm. saying fentanyl is so dangerous that even the slightest exposure can be deadly but thankfully in this case naloxone was close at hand DeWine's office would later tell reporters in a statement that Green's overdose was a documented medical incident and said that it is factually incorrect to say that this overdose was medically implausible. Uh, So doubling down. Yeah, absolutely doubling down. On September 16th, 2021, Green County, Tennessee officials charged Tommy Starnes with two felony counts of reckless endangerment after a deputy and EMS worker both allegedly had symptoms of an overdose after treating him. Tommy was not suspected of selling drugs, but was experiencing an overdose himself. The responders were there to save his life. After the first responders' symptoms were reported, the county sheriff arrived in a hazmat suit to retrieve evidence. Decontamination equipment was flown in by helicopter. The total cost of the response and cleanup Thirty eight hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That you got funding for that you will then charge the mm -hmm. defendant to pay back. So you get. It's going to be part of his restitution. Probably. Yes. Mm -hmm. Tommy was also charged with felony possession of drugs and drug paraphernalia, which were the drugs and I think the heroin and the needle that he had on him while he was overdosing and dying. His bond was set at one hundred thousand dollars. One hundred grand. He attacked a police officer. Yeah, he he recklessly endangered a police officer by dying, by almost dying. Um, As of today, I have not been able to find out what, if anything, has been happening with his case. Um, I don't know. I don't know how or where to do kind of a search for Greene County, Tennessee active cases. But I just don't know what, if anything, happens with that case. But uh, at least two people are being charged with assault and specifically assault on an officer, which often carries Mm -hmm. heightened penalties for causing fake overdoses. And that is a little bit about cops touching fentanyl. Interesting. And that will not, like these stories won't stop anytime soon, too. No, they won't. It's still public understanding Mm -hmm. that that you can be exposed that way. Mm -hmm. We're still thinking that Pop Rocks and Coke will make your body explode 25 (laughs) years, 30 years later. My mom told me if I swallow a watermelon seed, that watermelon will grow inside my body and explode my torso. And my mom wouldn't lie to me. No. Here's the thing. It's not true. But hell, if I don't think about it, if I swallow a watermelon seed every exactly. single time. And these guys are going to be thinking that until they are retired or find an actual job or die. Yeah. Right. No. And because now you have to combat that. I think one of the other side effects of this problem might be arguing things like Derek Chauvin's defense attorney tried to argue in his trial that uh, about excited delirium. That yes. somebody is, they hulk out when they're under the Mothers influence who of drugs cars. like, like yeah. fentanyl. So mm-hmm. 
fear of excited delirium plus fear of this incidental exposure to fentanyl, I feel like is a recipe for potential deadly force mm-hmm. applied where deadly yeah. force is not warranted. You know what's a better idea? Maybe cops shouldn't be dealing with drug overdoses. I don't know. I don't know. Oh my God, know. Kevin. Kevin, it's a crime. Kevin. Kevin, <laughs> drugs are bad and crime is bad and drugs are crimes and druggers are crimers. Uh, Kevin? Without question. Uh, Excited delirium just rings gay panic to me. Just it really fear. is. It's very Twinkie really? defense, isn't it? Yeah. Very. Yes. It's very just fear justifying gross over policing. Mm. Yeah. And overreaction and whatever. Uh, well- Kudos, Edie. Thank you for that story. Yes, thank you. It is a very important story. I tried to do science today. I love being at the Science Center. Wait, where did we go? Science Station? Science Central, Central, but I like the Science Center. I like the Science Center. I kind of do. I kind of (laughs) do. Next time, we're going to go with Science Center. That's right. (laughs) That was very well done. Thank you, Edie. It's my turn for the spoopy. And I'm going to start this off by saying... Miss You Bastard, because wow. last wow. week's Harsh. episode about Grania uh-huh. O'Malley, I was planning on this week doing a spoopy story set around the same time in the That's same setting, but it's a spoop. I had to switch a story around because I didn't want to have Ireland and then Ireland next to each other. So Fine. I apologize. Thank you. I accept it. <laughs> okay. but anyway so having said that i did switch my story around and i am bringing you today we're we're going to the fun zone we're going to stay in the fun zone yes 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 indeed and you all know i love me some american fearsome critters yeah love fearsome critters from these united states Mm -hmm. i'm trying to make it my like grand tradition on the pod to to share all of the fearsome critters and today just feels like one of those episodes. So, uh, okay. I, previously, I bought I brought you in episode thirteen, the hide behind. Yeah. In mm-hmm. episode forty eight, we talked about the side hill gouger. And yes. Episode sixty four, we talked about cactus cats. Cactus cats. Oh, love a cactus cat. I love it. And y'all, episode seventy six, I'm bringing you two fearsome critters for your nerve. Ooh, <gasps> double the fun. Two. You're getting two today. You're getting two because due to their names, they easily can get mixed up. And that's just not yeah. something we're gonna let happen. Not on my not watch. Not on this show. Not on this pod. <laughs> no, a hatchet is different from an axe, and we know that. So my my title today for you folks is Hodags and Hugags. How not to confuse the two. What did okay. you call me? Yeah. <laughs> so we got hodags. Nice. We got hugags. Nice. And I'm going to talk about each. I'm hugagged. I'm absolutely Are you hugagged. I'm hugagged. <laughs> <laughs> that was that just tickled me. Sorry. Um, it's very tickled. <laughs> oh my god. Their names sound similar, and they live in similar territories. And they both appeared in the same 1910 fantasy field guide, Fearsome Critters of the Lumber Woods by William Thomas Cox. But the similarities end there. The Hugag, H-U-G-A-G, is a funny fearsome critter, which is about the size of a moose, an antlerless moose. Okay. The Hugag is very less scary. The Hugag is constantly meandering around the forests of northern Minnesota and western Wisconsin. Okay. Noticeably, the Hugag's legs are jointless. They are stiffened. Wow. He, he she, or they do not have joints in their knees. Oh, That's God. No. That and that compels terrible. them to always remain on their feet. They can right? never okay. lay down because <gasps> they simply wouldn't be able to get back up. Because you couldn't get back up. They yeah. are accursed. I know. And they have to sleep by leaning against the tall trees. Oh, yeah. So sad. Okay. No. I'm so tired for that. Yeah. yeah, just thinking about it. I love laying down. It's my favorite position to be in. God, yes. 
Hugags sport long, bushy tails and equally shaggy coats, except for their heads, which are hairless. They're long. Oh, God, no. I was like, cute, cute, not cute. I don't like that. So in addition to their hairless heads, their long, droopy, downward-facing ears mirror their long, droopy, saggy upper lips. So their lips are extra draggy. So they no, cannot Kevin. graze on the ground. Otherwise, they will trip over their, their lips and they'll fall. No, Kevin, no. They'll trip no. over their lips and they can't bend their – they don't have knees? And no. their lips are so long. You know, best case scenario, they would get an ouchie on their lip. But worst case scenario, they'd, they'd fall and never get back up. Hugh gags. That's terrible. They don't live the best lives, we as we know. They don't look great. No. They, they can't sleep need, well. Like a Hugag Kevorkian to just like help them out. Yeah, just get them get them out of their misery, man. Just get out of here. But though, if you fall asleep against a long tree, you can mm-hmm. wake up and immediately start eating the branches and the pine cones and such. So I guess that's a win. I do love a snack. Yeah, as soon as you I wake do. up, like without even I moving, do. moving. Just like one eye open. Yep. All what right. a life. I don't hate that. Yeah. So that is the Hugag. They are not known to be aggressive to humans. If you okay. saw how them. How they be? How could <laughs> you? lips are on the floor. <laughs> they have a hard enough life, all right? They are not right. interested in humans. They're just trying I'm to get through, guys. looking at a drawing of a Hugag, <laughs> and it is the saddest <laughs> thing I have ever seen. Look, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this pathetic oh. motherfucker. I mean, it's... Oh. oh, my God. Oh, so those are Hugags. Uh-huh. But we also have the Hodag. In contrast, Hodags are not as fun as the Hugag. Living in generally the same area, Hodags are large, carnivorous, dog-like animals. They are hairless, they have red eyes, they have bull horns, and they have a long, sturdy tail, and kind of like a dinosaur tail or a Komodo dragon. Hodags sport a row of thick, curved spines jutting out of their their spines, um, kind of stegosaurus style. Okay, all right. They give me like big terror dog from Ghostbusters vibe, but like green. They sound terrifying. Yeah, they're kind of terrifying. It is said that hodags are born from the ashes of cremated oxen, the abuse that the oxen suffered in their working life by the lumberjacks oh. is what fueled their fury. So it's just like all the nasty mm-hmm. becomes this hodag. Yep. And I, I would imagine that they stalk the 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 humans that once abuse them in their, their early lives. Ooh, I love that. <clears throat> I love a little bit of revenge. <laughs> now in <laughs> Wisconsin, there's a town named Rylander. It's in okay. northern Wisconsin. They had a local named Eugene Shepherd. He fancied himself to be a prankster at the time, which was around the late 1800s. Which is funny okay. because I never th- truly ever thought about people pulling pranks in like the 1800s. That never to me seemed like a thing. I always no, forget like, that like human beings have been the same for like 300,000 years. Yeah. I imagine the pranks sarcasm be... and like pranks and like things like that. I guess they've always existed, but like in different forms. It is really odd to think because I just feel like people were so much harder life. They didn't have time to be funny. So, we're here in 1895. Eugene mm-hmm. Shepherd, prankster galore, comes out with the tale that he claims that he and a group of his friends killed a dreaded hodag right there in Rylander, Wisconsin, which they had to use dynamite for to kill. He was that aggressive. And they took a picture. Dynamite. Yeah, they took a picture of the charred animal remains, and that got around into newspapers. Okay. Eugene wanted to up his prank claims the next year, which he did. He, mm-hmm. uh, so in 1896, he also Weird ran flex. a story telling people that he had captured a live hodag. It was displayed, <laughs> quote, unquote, at the Oneida County Fair, where oh. thousands of people came to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of some kind of mechanical thing that he, he made up. 
uh, to make yeah. it look like it because the article that I was referencing said that Shepard made the creatures from wires and some gumption really. And he had, um, <laughs> could occasionally, it's all you occasionally, needed back then. Yeah. He could occasionally <laughs> move the creature too with some kind of mechanism. So that okay. would send the already skittish viewers like fleeing from that area because they sure. were just so creeped out by it. What time was this? 1896. Okay. This is also the time of like weird ass sideshow shit where like they would oh, like God, yeah. sew animals together and like pretend that they're different animals. That's true. And like and just like dark truly shit. Kidnap <laughs> yeah, kidnap yeah. children and file their teeth into points. Yes. yes. Yep. Oh yeah. god, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> As newspapers locally, statewide, and then nationally began picking up the story of the live hodag. The story caused a group of scientists from the Smithsonian Institute in Washington to announce that they would be traveling down to Rylander mm -hmm. to inspect the apparent discovery. I support that decision. No, don't don't like look too closely into it. It's just a hot egg and just like don't ask questions about it. Yes. There we are. <laughs> We're here in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and we have the group of Smithsonian Institute people that claim they want to come out to Wisconsin to verify that this creature exists, which mm -hmm. kind of spooked Eugene out of weird. his whole spiel. That's so, so weird because he has like a real hodag, so he well, should be totally Well, the funny chill. thing, he actually didn't have a real hodag. And <gasps> he was, Kevin? I he just had to- Are you a little prankster? He was like, y'all, this was a hoax. I, uh, sorry, I'm just trying to make some money. So it, that Look, I've never America. used ChatGPT before. And I just, <laughs> I was doing my work and it gave me these cases and I asked if it was lying and it said it wasn't lying. <laughs> but since then, since 1896, the town of Rhinelander, Wisconsin has claimed the Hodag in the same way that Baltimore claims Edgar Allan Poe. Because once one allegedly died there and so we just claim uh -huh. it as ours. If you go to 450 West Kemp Street in Rhinelander, you will arrive at their Chamber of Commerce. Affixed okay. in front of the building is a large, garish, green Hodag statue. Really? Yes. 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 You have the Rhinelander Cute. High School Hodags. You can take a stroll in Hodag Cute. Park. You can bowl a few yes. games at Nick's Hodag Lanes. In July, you can join up to 16,000 other country music fans at the Hodag County Festival. Oh, my God. That track, because yes. it kind of sounds like a hoedown. I get that. Ooh. Have a hoedown <laughs> at the Hodag Festival. Woo. <gasps> okay. I kind of love this, that they just, like, co-opted it as, like, the town mascot. Oh, I, I do love that. So, regrettably, I don't think there is a town in the U.S. that claims the Hugag the same way as Rhinelander claims the Hodag. I mean, who would? It's the Eeyore of cryptids. True. It does sound like the Eeyore of cryptids. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most pathetic fucking cryptid I've ever seen. Uh, I just want him to lay down and have a snack. <laughs> he can't. He'll die. I He'll know. Die. Now let's play some lightning round Hugag Hodag trivia because I said oh how not to confuse the two. So okay. we cannot be confusing these two, all right? So quickly, okay. which creature has no leg joints? The Hugag. Hugag. Which creature has horns? Hodag. Hodag. The Hodag, yes. Which Hodag. creature stalks <laughs> which which creature stalks Rhinelander, Wisconsin? Hodag. Hodag. That's great. And then which creature sports spinal spikes? Hodag. Hodag. That's right. Okay. So we had a little bit of Hugag, a little bit of Hodag, but y'all actually were good with it? Um, yeah. Yeah. They're uh, very similar names. I think about their names this way um, to not confuse them. So think of Hodag as a dog-like creature. Dag dog. Dog. Hmm. Dag mm -hmm. dog. Got it. You like dags? Yep. Snatch the yeah, you know, right. stupid movie. <laughs> Think of a hugag as the huge moose. Hugh, oh. huge. I don't know if that'll ever help. And that you would gag if you saw its hairless, fleshy head. That yes. is right. Yeah. Or if you see them lips, you'd be gagged by their eleganza if oh, they ever just, put uh, lips uh, on it. It's not eleganza, uh, Kevin. It's simply not eleganza. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you stone it, it could be, but like. No. It's a lot of look. Well, that 
is the quick crash course on the Hugag Hodag confusion because it has been done before. It's been a controversy. There's been, uh, there has been. The Hugag it. has been a creature that has been talked about for centuries. Um, a, really? Yes, it's very similar to a creature called the, I believe it's pronounced the Achilles. There was a philosopher back, I think, in the first century, Pliny the Elder. And heard, of them, heard of him. Heard Pliny of him. the Elder, Pliny the Younger. Mm-hmm. So Pliny the Elder spoke of a creature that had long um, legs that couldn't bend them, that had to sleep um, against trees, and they would hunt that creature by going into forests, in the old forest with the long tree, big trees, and they would cut little notches into the trees. So if and when uh-huh. that creature would lay on it, it would crack it and he would fall. Oh, that is rude as hell. Rude I just wanted hell. a nap. You could I literally know. just go up to it and push it over, push it over. like tip it like a cow and it would tip be it. fine. Yeah. This is what cows tip it. Tip it. Tip it. Maggie. Oh, RIP. Um, so this, so that animal really has been in one form or the other in people's minds since ancient Rome. Interesting. Yeah, it it is interesting, but I don't know how it made its way up to Wisconsin and Minnesota, but you know, I don't know how most things get to where they go anyway. So who am I to tell? Yeah, you know, like, took like JetBlue or something. Probably <laughs> Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rome Air. I don't know. Rome Air. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you. Thank y'all. you, Kev. Thanks for Kev. teaching was... us about the. We got two. Two for you one. Hodag and Super. the Hugag. That's good. I'm so glad you remembered them because I, I know. took a barely. Note. It was a struggle <laughs> right until I took that a last note and moment. I don't. I don't think either of them are right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this Thank is a great both. episode. Both. Yeah. It really was. I was thoroughly entertained, and um, yeah. Thanks, y'all. Yay! Thanks yeah, for letting me be your audience. Um. Miss, what would you ever do if you saw like a, a hodag in Just the wild? Scream! I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a fighter. I. I can't. I'm barely a lover. This. I'm barely a lover. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> and where could our listeners tell us what they would do if they ever came across one of them in their socials? Oh, listeners, please do send. Get at us at on Instagram at Creepy Inquiries Pod. Send us an email at creepyinquiriespod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Sources, you can go to our website at creepyinquiriespod.com. And then you can mm-hmm. give us a cute little rate and review. Uh, they help us out and we always appreciate them. Five stars or I will shave your head and <gasps> grotesquely <gasps> elongate your ears and lips. Dark <laughs> listeners. Just now that, that would be a gag. It's better than anything I could say about fentanyl. I don't know. I I know. know. It really is. You took the right track. You you took the right road for that. (laughs) So just the five stars will do, folks. Thank you. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't. Listener, thank you so much for joining us on this episode 76, the Sylvester Stallone aged episode. Adrian. And Donald Trump. Sorry. And until next time. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <Yes>. Monster. <laughs> Monster. <laughs> I thought I could sneak it in. You oh, really dang. thought you were a silly goose trying to slip that in? You no, just being a little stinker. <laughs> You're in a little stinker era. <laughs> Worst. And until next time. Ooh.